Hello everyone and welcome to this special episode of the Phileas Club, A Day in Riyadh. Hello everyone and welcome to the Phileas Club. This is the show where we get together every month or so and we discuss the news with people from different parts of the world and different cultures so they can tell you roughly how they saw the news in the past month and maybe provide some kind of uh, different angle from what we're used to. Uh, what we're going to do today though is a special episode uh, where we're going to spend a little bit of time with our good friend Turkey uh, and try to figure out things about Saudi Arabia. How's it going turkey oh it's doing doing great here it's uh, lovely weather you're well, aren't getting, you lucky it's getting there at least <laughs> um, <laughs> well i consider it very lovely since we are not hitting the 40 degrees centigrade anymore jeez Yes, well, you are in the middle of the desert, uh, so it shouldn't surprise me that much. Um, so this kind of episode, I, I, I want to do uh, every once in a while, and uh, I think it should be interesting to try and dive into uh, a little bit of a more uh, personal conversation with individual people to try and explore lives that are a little bit different from the ones that us Westerners are used to, and maybe try to get, at least that's the aim, we'll see how it goes, but try to get a perspective on those uh, countries and cultures that we wouldn't get in traditional media. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think we hear a lot about Saudi Arabia, except for very specific topics, which are basically terrorism and oil. So uh, hopefully we'll, we'll avoid those and <laughs> uh, try to talk about maybe more of the day-to-day -day of someone who lives in Saudi Arabia, and uh, hopefully it will be somewhat interesting. Are you ready to tell us all of your secrets? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, I think it's what makes Saudi a bit unique from other countries. It's uh, that we don't have tourism here, so very few people get a chance to visit the country, and those who visit it usually are here as expats who are working mostly, or business people who are visiting. So it's a limited access for most people to this country, especially from the Western world. I guess for tourism, it's true, but you have a huge influx of people for the Hajj, uh, which brings in millions and millions of people. Yeah, well, in the Hajj, it's uh, limited because uh, most of those people are limited to two cities. So they usually come to the city of Mecca and Medina, the two holy cities for Muslims. So, And definitely almost none of them ever visit the capital Riyadh, for example, because it's way out of the, uh, their path and they are not allowed to travel outside those two cities. Oh, yeah, that's that's interesting. Why are they not allowed? Is it a visa issue? Like they just they can come for the for religious purposes? But yes, right. Yes, that's that's exactly the visa. It's a pilgrimage visa, so they are only allowed to visit within Mecca and Medina usually, and uh, their visa does not uh, allow them to travel outside those cities. Uh, they also get a chance, some of them, to visit Jeddah city because basically it's uh, very close to Mecca and it's, it's usually where they land if they're flying or coming by ship. That's where they go through. 
Um, so I'm sure we're going to talk about that a little bit more, but I have a couple of introductory questions, um, which are just to, to get us in the mood. Um, I'd like to ask right. you, what is the one stereotype about Saudi Arabia that is the most annoying to you? The most annoying is that there are actually people out there that actually think we live in the middle of the desert with camels, riding camels and moving around <laughs> in tents. Do you think people still think that, those that seriously think it? Well, at least in the States, yeah. Trust me, there are people in the States who seriously think it. I've met them. Ah, okay. Uh, well, it's true that you spent some time in the state. Uh, so you've actually talked to people who... Th well, okay, to be fair, you have some people who are still tribal and live, you know, maybe not in tents, but do have camels and that are yeah, uh, a little yeah, bit definitely. closer to that image. Yes, yes. But those are usually outside the city, small towns and so on. But uh, they think, I, when when I talk about Saudi, some people actually think that I live in an area where there's tents and camels all around us, and I go out, <laughs> I find... Yeah. So you go and squeeze cacti for to get water out. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, okay, but to address that stereotype, I, I went on Facebook, and uh, I did ask uh, for listeners to ask questions. And one thing I said was, there are no stupid questions. And I would like uh, people to ask uh, pretty much anything they would think of, uh, even without assuming that one question is going to be regarded as silly. Um, and we're going to get to those questions a little bit later in the show. We got a, a good batch of, sure. uh, of good questions. Um, but to address this, this question of, do Saudis live in tents in the desert with camels to provide them uh, shade? Um, how, how much of the population lives in cities? Is it like, you know, everyone and there are a couple of people living um, a, as Bedouins or? Well, let's see. Um, right now, the population of Saudi Arabia is about 28 million and about 5 million live in Riyadh city. And you have another 3 million living in Jeddah city. And you have about uh, a million living in the uh, eastern provinces. So that's, you got right about now. About 10, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's almost 10. And then about the remaining, I would think at least 70% of them are live in either in small cities and, uh, and another maybe 25% live in small towns. So when we're talking about, okay, Riyadh is a city, like a proper city city with paved roads and, you know, like buildings and all of that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. When we're talking about small towns, if you had to translate it into Western views, what kind of, and, you know, you've been to the US, you've been in Europe, you've traveled. Yeah. What kind of town would you compare those small towns where most of the people live? Is it like, uh, you know, the... Australian outback where there's, uh, uh, you know, two buildings and a dirt road. And I'm going to get calls from Australians telling me that that's not how it is. Uh, but, uh, you know, or is it like a, a, a still a, a proper full town with all the amenities and everything? Uh, well, actually, you find both. Both types of towns. You, we do have, uh, for example, uh and there's, I know this for a fact, there are some schools. You would go to a school. The school is in the middle of nowhere. 
and it actually sits there because it serves about uh, uh, five or ten towns that are more of uh, they're not they're villages like maybe couple, uh, villages even smaller they would could be an a small tribe maybe 50 people living in that area in a have like 20 homes or something and stuff like that and you have a few of those and they're served by a single school in the middle okay all right um so let me move on to the next question which is what stereotype about saudi arabia is the most true Hmm, let's see. The most true stereotype. Well... That everyone live is super rich because of oil. Right? Well, that's, that's true. That, that's kind <laughs> of true, actually. That's kind of true. If you look at it from a percentage point of view, Saudi Arabia does have the largest percentage of rich families in the world. So... So in a way, it is true. It's it's not true that uh, everybody here is rich, but we have a huge the the one percent like the they say in the U.S. the one percent. I think here they are a five or a ten percent, not a one percent. Okay, that's that's yeah. significant. But I sort of yeah. interrupted you. Is there another one that's truer? Um, no, I think I think that's the thing that's most true. Uh, Stereotype. I don't think these are stereotypes. There's uh, everybody knows women don't drive here, so that's a fact. Right. And apparently everybody knows it. Uh, so that yeah. Okay. Um, so let's move on. I, actually, this next question was inspired by uh, the book you started after you did the the Kickstarter, which I thought was really fascinating. You were basically going over in that first chapter I read um, yeah. over the the life of an ordinary school uh, boy who who was just, you know, getting up and getting ready for school. So it inspired me to ask you, um, maybe for people who actually don't know anything about Saudi Arabia, which is most of us, I'm sure, uh, how would you describe the typical day for a teenager uh, that goes to school with all of those quirky details you're going to know because they're going to seem quirky to us who have never been in uh, Saudi Arabia? All right. Well, well, I can tell you that, but keep in mind, my information is old. So <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, not that old. About, How old are you? I'm 38, 39 okay, so, this December. Okay, so maybe 20 years old, <laughs> roughly. Yeah, so I would give you a better image. And it's basically the same for current days. But of course, uh, there's a huge differences of uh, generation movement and technology and so on. So today but, they would all be, uh, you know, looking at their phones and not paying attention to what's happening around them. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's exactly the situation. We have, It's very popular WhatsApp and Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Snapchat is huge here right now. So they would just sit in front of play with their phone and just look through it. And I'm almost sure the current generation don't even notice uh, anybody else when they wake up in the morning. <laughs> so that is phone. the same everywhere, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but basically, in a, for an average kid here, it's uh, school is usually starts about seven o'clock in the morning. Jesus, uh, that's. Yeah. I, I guess it's so hot. 
Well, that's one reason. Another reason is uh, they're controlling traffic. So basically, school starts at seven. Government agents uh, offices start at eight, and uh, private sector start, starts at nine on average. So it changes from time to time, and private sector has different times. But that's the basic standard. And uh, and school does end up leaving uh, between twelve and two depending on the day. Okay, so yeah. it's an early school day. I guess that's uh, somewhat different. I think in France, we have one of the longest ones. We usually start around eight or nine and finish at between four and usually six. Um, mm -hmm. So it's really long in France. But anyway, we're talking about Saudi Arabia. All right, so <laughs> get up at, seven, uh, at six. Yeah, get up at six, usually uh, go, go around, get ready. Uh, if, you, if you haven't woken up to pray in the morning prayer, you have the morning prayer, which is at sunrise, just before sunrise. So if you haven't done that yet, you, you usually do it, wash so up, get ready. You're supposed to do the morning prayer when the sun rises. It's okay if you don't, you just do it when you when you wake up. You're supposed to do it just before sunrise, usually. That's the morning prayer. And uh, yeah, you, you can do it. If you miss a prayer, you can do it any time. You're just uh, expected to do it. That's all. Actually, so, uh, so that's a question from Richard. Uh, yeah. He asked it on Facebook. He said, uh, during the call for prayer, what happens if someone does not stop and pray, if you don't do it? Maybe yeah. not because you don't, you can't, but because you just, you know, you're busy or you're checking Snapchat or whatever. Yeah, it, I saw that question. It's uh, uh, it's an interesting question because it depends on like 20 years ago and now it's a completely different situation. So uh, like 20 years ago, the there was... The religious police were more strong and more aggressive. And that's another thing. We have something called a religious police. Well, they're not exactly called religious police. They're called the Committee for Virtue and or something. I really don't remember the English name. And and they have powers where they are trying to enforce the religious uh, uh, culture and, and laws and stuff like that. So like 20, 30 years ago, they really had some strength in the, around here where they would just come in, find you not praying, pick you up, put you in their van and either drive you to their office and start interrogating you or just take you to the mosque and make you pray. Uh, right now, no, they are still around. They still do their jobs, but it's more civilized. They're basically most of the times there are exceptions, of course, for everything. Most of the times they just uh, advise you, talk to you or, and ask you to please go pray and uh, maybe give you a small lecture and so on. But yeah, it's a uh, very normal, uh, Actually, I keep on commenting uh, when I go out on uh, Fridays or during Ramadan when we go out for uh, iftar, which is the breakfast at the evening. And I've noticed a huge difference between when I was younger, like 20, 30 years ago, and between these days. Uh, like 20, 20 years ago, if I go out in, on Friday in the, in the noon to go uh, have lunch at my family... I would find the Riyadh streets are completely empty. I could be the only car in the entire city driving. The same thing during Iftar 20 years ago when you go out. Nowadays, can, can you I explain go, why that is? 
Uh, Fridays because it's it's, a, it's the weekend, so everybody is usually goes prays the Friday prayer, which is uh, our weekly prayer, like Saturday and Sunday for the Christianity and Jews, and uh, and usually people would just go home and just relax, and they don't have any activities, and nobody's open at all usually. And uh, for iftar, it's basically because everybody is ready where they need to be to have to break their fast and have iftar. So nobody goes out and drives just before uh, sunset. But nowadays, if you do that, it's it's crowded, it's busy. It's it's really, really, for me, it's like a complete change because apparently people now are more active. There's more people in the city, definitely. 20 years ago, there were maybe 2 million. Now there's over 5 million people in the city. And of course, uh, life has changed and the way people live. So there's a lot of activities. You find them out and doing prayer and so on and being active. So would you say that in the last 20 years, uh, the country, or at least Riyadh, has become less religious or... Um, no, I don't think I would say less religious. I would just say more flexible. Mm. Uh, for for one, it's bigger, so that makes a lot of difference. So, for uh, twenty yeah, years but ago, it, however many people are there, if they all have to, you know, stop and pray, mm-hmm. then no, no, that's not what I meant. Like for twenty years ago, uh, Riyadh was smaller, so if you wanted to, to have a trip, it takes you like. 10 minutes, 15 minutes to go from one side of the city to the other. So you can have a quick trip and you can have enough time to do it and reach where you are and still pray. Nowadays, just driving from <laughs> that one side of the city to the other can take you easily an hour, an hour and a half, two hours. I guess that's one theme that is recurring yeah. in the show is you tell us about the horrible traffic jams and in, in, in the yeah. city, which I have to say, before you told me about them, that is not how I imagine Riyadh at all in Saudi Arabia, like a, a city so trafficked that you would have traffic jams. Well, um, you, you have to think of, of Saudi. For one thing, traffic jams have different reasons. The, of course, one is very poor planning in, in a lot of areas. Uh, the increase of population is another reason. How, and you also have the major problem, which is everybody drives. Yeah. Every single person drives. because well, Except no, for women. Who have drivers, well, I guess. Yeah, they have drivers, so that's... Uh, but th- my point is, you you can't walk in the city, either because they haven't built walking place, uh, making it easier for walking, pedestrian for walking, or because it's too hot to walk outside, and it's right. too... And so on. So you can't walk. You, there's, you can't use bicycles for the same reasons. Uh, public transportation, we really have almost no public transportation. So the only option you have is to drive. And we don't understand the concept of pooling, carpools. (laughs) So, so, So I would go out, like, this is, for example, me and my brothers are invited to a wedding. And we go and meet at my mom's place and we get ready so we can leave. And as we're going out, you know what? You take your car, I'm taking my car, you take your car. So four cars leave the house at the same moment to attend a wedding and then come back. Why? Because nobody, everybody wants to make sure that he has his own car. So he can, if he decides to leave early or need to pass by another place, he would have that flexibility and not be committed to someone. Okay. All right. So let's go back to the school kid getting up, uh, doing the morning prayer, and then? Uh, usually they would have... Uh, 
uh, light breakfast, uh, depending on the household. Uh, their parents usually, most of the times, are awake, especially if the father is a government employee. Then he's basically awake getting ready for work also because he leaves like half an hour after them. Or if he, they don't have a driver, uh, the father is going to drop them off. So usually them- how, how common is that driver situation? Um, extremely, extremely very, very common. So this is because women can't drive, I'm sure, first yeah. of all. Uh, That's the number one reason. So every family needs to have someone that is capable of driving the, the women in the family where they want to go. Definitely. You do need someone that drives uh, the women in the family. And, uh, and, that's, and that's the biggest problem when you don't, women can't drive. So you, they're stuck. So how expensive is that, though? Is it immigrants that do this job? or Yes, yes. Uh, all, all drivers, almost all, are expats, and they are usually from the subcontinent, like from uh, Pakistan, India, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, and from the Philippines as well, and uh, Indonesia also. So, so how have- expensive is it to have a driver? Um. It, the expensive, if you're talking about their salaries, then they earn, the drivers earn, uh, let's see, right now they earn about $300, $400 a month. Okay. Uh, it used to be as low as $200. Uh, so that's from the salary point of view. Then you have all the government fees, which is to get the visa and get the employment agency to arrange to find you a driver in, from their country and sending oh, them so you, so you actually, and I'm going to use a horrible term, but you actually yeah. order them from the different, the, another country. You go to, yes. the, to the agency and you say, yes. I need a driver. Can you find someone in Afghanistan yes. or wherever? Yes, 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 exactly. How is and that regarded? in in society is it like well we give them jobs and they're happy to take them or is it like wait that's kind of uncool to sort of mail order your driver or actually it's very very normal nobody even thinks about it Hmm. usually so you so it costs you about for that it costs you about two thousand up to five thousand dollars depending on which country you're bringing him from, what's the situation, and so on. So do they live in the same house as the family, or do they just show up in the morning and leave? No, usually they live in the same house as the family. Usually the family would have a driver's room, special room for him, where he stays in. And what about the... uh, Is there other help? Or, like, do you have a driver and a maid? Yes, yes. Uh, we have maids in Saudi, and it's very normal to have a maid here. Uh, and uh, same situation as the drivers. Okay, so the, usually in the, those kinds of societies, that creates you know very different classes in society. And I don't want to say resentment, but certainly there is, a, a, well, really two different classes. Is that how are those... Uh, immigrants thought of in the Saudi society? You, you were saying it's very normal, but... Uh, uh, yeah, there is uh, that kind of situation. And uh, I, I don't want to defend the situation at all, but uh, 
the facts are a lot of these uh, expats are actually here for the job. So, and for them, most of them are actually earning like as much as 10 times what they would earn back home. Sure. So well, what's the average wage for, uh, you know, monthly salary for a Saudi? No, Saudi right now, the minimum is 3,000 reals. The average is 8,000 reals, and that's about uh, 8,000 reals is about $2,000. Okay, so they're still being paid significantly less than the average uh, Saudi yes. citizen, right? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, the average is uh, significantly less, uh, but it's about right now with the current times and current salaries, they earn almost half of the low-income Saudis. Okay. So they, All right, they earn so, about 1,500 reals, and Saudis earn 3,000 reals on average for minimum income. Okay. Uh, all right. So you, your, your father is up, and you're getting ready for school, and they go, to, you know, they go to their work, and the driver gets you to school? Yep. Uh, the driver gets you to school. And, uh, of course, we have two different schools for girls. School, girls go to school alone. Girls, school, girls only school and uh, boys only school. And uh, that's why they and then when they get to school, uh, I can't say about the girls school, but definitely when you get to the guys school, you have the morning parade where all the students gather and then they have something like a radio show or a podcast or whatever, where one classroom would stand up on a mic and do a presentation like a five, 10 minutes show of uh, different topics talking in the microphone. So to the whole school? To the whole school, then you have some exercises, morning exercises. Sorry, and then you just a second. What's, what's the purpose of that That. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> spec- well, uh, it's just to get people to express themselves, or I, I think so. I'm not exactly sure. I think it's more it's educational and at the same time trying to make people express themselves. Because at least when I'm in my school in those times, I remember each class tried to do something unique and uh, very different from the other classes, and some of them were actually good efforts from the students and very creative. So would you would they try to make something funny or did things that were controversial? Uh, no, controversial, no. Okay, no, controversial, right, no. obviously. Funny, funny, yes. Uh, inform, not informative, yes. Yeah. So, for example, they would do a, a ten minute presentation on. Uh, I have no idea. Like, what what would it be? Uh, for example, they usually would start with a reading from the Holy Quran. Then they would uh, maybe have a comedy sketch. May, uh, they would have uh, uh, information about the topic. They would talk about a specific topic, information, knowledge. Right. I uh, mean, what what kind of topic would they discuss is my question. Uh, it, it, it depends. Uh, so each one is, uh, they bring their own uh, ideas. Uh, I think the most famous thing is uh, uh, something said, did you know? And they would just mm. like have a list of 10 things that are unique, that okay. did you know? Did you that know that th- giraffes have two hearts, one in the throat yes. and one in the... Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, exactly, okay. something like that. So You know, it's funny, because when you say, so they would start with a reading of a passage of the Holy Quran, 
it it's like for me it's like yes of course that's saudi arabia and then you're you say and then they would have a comedy sketch i'm like oh all right that i that is not what i expected so <laughs> oh, okay. yeah it's, it's very normal uh saudis in general i do think they have good humor <laughs> After all, Saudis are human beings. I I am humoring you, so I must have to humor you. (laughs) All right, so please go on with the parade. Uh, So then they have their morning exercises. They do it as a group. And then they start classes. And uh, on average in Saudi, they uh, don't know any of this changed. And I don't think much of it's changed uh, they have on average uh, every day seven classes and uh, between classes uh, in the middle of there's a break which is people go out and have maybe breakfast and uh, exercise or just enjoy their time and uh, I, depending on which country you are in uh, I know for example in the states you don't pick the class you just move between classes and Saudi student picks one class and that's where they stay and the teachers change in that class okay yeah okay and uh, and the topics are uh, let's see I think uh, my memory serves me right about 30% religion and then you have maybe at 20% uh, uh, activities, different activities, uh, 25% Arabic and uh, 20% Arabic, maybe 10% uh, history and geography and 20% uh, science. Okay, so two questions. First of all, for me, um, religious studies are a very strange concept. Uh, I'm sure for many of our listeners, uh, probably in the US, they're more familiar with the idea, even if they haven't done uh, them themselves. But in France, it's definitely not something that's common. Um, What do they consist of? Islam. Okay, so you're studying the Quran and learning what it says and... And the meaning of the Quran, memorizing the Quran, uh, you learn the hadith, which is the sayings and uh, doings of the Prophet, peace be upon him. And uh, you learn also uh, fiqh, which is the Islamic laws of etiquette and life and so on, and uh, and law, sharia law. So... When you mentioned uh, the Prophet, you did say, peace be upon him. Is that something you have to say every time yes. you say? Okay. Yes, yes. That's, right. uh, Muslims are expected to say it. It's uh, out of respect. You don't have to say it. It's just something that everybody does. Okay. It's expected. Um, I see. Um, what about the science uh, portion you mentioned? It's 20 or 25% science that you study yeah. in school. Um uh, yeah, how much science is science? Because uh, oh, let's see. Uh, um, you could they mathematics, of course, uh, geology, uh, chemistry, physics, uh, biology. Yeah. Okay. So the regular topics. I yes, think we mentioned yes. in the last episode something like evolution, or uh, uh, yeah, definitely evolution is not uh, taught. 
Okay. <laughs> but uh, but neither is uh, the creations theory. Okay. Yeah. So, All right. Uh, so it's, it's kind of a uh, whatever you believe. <laughs> what um, I think in if we look at the cultural image that is projected for uh, the U.S. Um, which is a point of reference that most people will know because we all watch TV shows and movies where it is exposed. Uh, you have that idea of the the cliques and you know and the cool kids and the emo kids and the nerds and the blah 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 and and that is something that is definitely not happening happening like that or not to that extent um, in in France. How is the interpersonal and societal relationship for school kids uh, taking place? Yeah, that whole situation you see in TV and so on in the states. As far as I'm concerned, it doesn't even exist here. Right, of course. But I mean, yeah. how is how do things happen? Um, if, um, if there is a, a way to describe it, maybe it's just normal school people. I, it's just normal school and you have different people. Oh, I uh, used to have that phone. It made that exact ring. Yes, I've heard it at your home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, So, uh, so another important piece of information, uh, Saudis do have phones. Thank you. We've, we've learned a lot. Uh, all right. Yeah, keep we going. have iPhones. We have iPhones also. <laughs> and, 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 we're, and our neighbors are soon getting an Apple store, so we can go there and fix our phones. Nice. So, yeah. We're evolving. <laughs> all right. So, um, right. <laughs> yeah. So, basically, the situation is... Uh, As far as I know, for in the school, in the, at least for boys, uh, it's just people that come together because they share different uh, ideas, different way of thinking, or different society backgrounds. But there's nothing other than that that separates people. It's basically everybody's together, and there's no uh, nothing like that. So as far as I know, yeah. Hmm. Okay, yeah. so regular classes with regular courses uh, until what time was it? Uh, around noon or two o'clock, depending on the day, because some days you have seven classes, some days you only have six classes. So okay, yeah, and so if you're uh, done with the school, uh, the driver or your dad picks you up. And you go home. So you, you get out of the school and you have like lines and lines of cars waiting for everyone and you just yes. rush to the... Okay. Yes, yes. Lines and 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 lines. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, and that's basically how the, the day, the school day usually ends. If uh, your father is a government employee... Most likely, he will be home also within an hour or two because the government usually ends at 2 p.m. So, and that's when you have lunch. Okay. Um. Uh, uh, beyond that, it depends from... There's no specific system of how people do it. And trust me, I uh, what happened 20 years ago definitely is not happening now. So I really can't, can't update you on what the That's fine. Cool, cool teens are doing these days. So I guess uh, for the rest of the day, you ju you're just home and doing homework 
And do you go out and meet your friends at the mall or what, what do you do? Because from noon or 2 p.m. Uh, until the time you have to go to sleep, um, uh, we didn't talk about prayers, by the way. I guess there are more prayers happening yeah. uh, in the yeah, day. But, fire, so what do you fire. do? What do you do from two after lunch at home with your family to um, to the end of the day? Um, usually people just become lazy until at least uh, sunset. And after sunset, usually people uh, gather uh, together. Uh, for teens, uh, they either gather in one of their houses, all the friends meet in one of the uh, houses, or they go to uh, bo uh, boys, they meet in uh, uh a camp area or at a cafe. What's a coffee. camp area? Uh, it's a camp area. It's not, uh, I don't know what to call it. We call it in Arabic, istiraha. It's kind of like uh, an open area that's surrounded with a wall. So it's not, uh, usually it's planted in green and maybe has a tent okay. in it where people just so have fun and gather, enjoy the weather at night. because the It's night a public park, basically. No, no, these are private. Oh, so they go rent it or own one of these. Okay. Yeah, they're right. small spaces. Okay. So, yeah. well, I think obviously the the immediate focus of any Western kid uh, or teenager after school would be, especially if they don't have girls in school, would be talking about girls and you know trying to meet girls and do. But obviously. In Saudi, you can't meet girls. Oh um, yeah, if 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 if, if, you, if you have the willpower, you, it will happen. <laughs> okay, but supposedly you're not supposed to, you know, hang out with the girls yes. in the in the private park you were mentioning. Yes, exactly. How, how does that that whole thing evolve, and how does the relationship, well, it, or lack of relationship, how does it? work how does it influence people do they do they do the kids get together and talk about girls or do they not is it not on their radar or i uh, depends on the types of people and the the group that you're sitting with yeah some of them would talk about girls a lot some of them don't really talk about girls and so on so it's it's there's no fixed uh, system on how and usually they don't become and because of the close society most kids don't get in, interested in girls until uh, some of them start in high school which is about 6th uh, and 9th 10th grade and some of them don't start until they go to college uh other than that and especially in the older days it was di more difficult There was no internet, so you had no access to anything. And unless you can find a magazine here or there that was smuggled through the censorship, <laughs> and you can look at all the pictures and so on. But that would uh, be that would be naked ladies, I'm sure. I, I'm more talking no, about no, 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 not oh, naked no? ladies, not naked ladies, not. No, no, that's that's even more impossible to find. So, so what are you talking about when you're talking about magazines? Just uh, starlets, for example, or so, even like fashion oh, magazines and fashion stuff like magazines, uh, uh, swimsuit, uh, uh, Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition, stuff like that. Okay, 
But yeah. you were you were mentioning that everyone has smartphones now, and surely that makes these kinds of relationships or you know when i'm saying relationships i'm just talking about people talking to one another surely that's a lot more possible nowadays oh yeah definitely change the the whole situation has evolved uh when i was a kid the whole situation was you go out and you 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 have a phone in your room a landline and then you try and get the attention of girls in malls and slip them your phone number on a cart <laughs> and hope and hope that they would call you on your landline and you can sneak the landline behind your parents back at night lock the door and just have a passionate conversation with this girl that you don't actually know how she looks but you met her covered up in the mall and you gave her your number which, by the way, that is forbidden, right? To, yes, to speak yes. on the phone. Okay. Uh, no, no, it's not forbidden to speak on the phone. It's just to have a relationship, any type of relationship with a woman that's not related to you. Right, but if so. you're talking on the phone, you're having some kind of relationship. Yes. Even if it's yeah. friendship. Yes, exactly. Right. So, so we moved from that situation to the days when we had pagers and we would go out and slip our pager number and hopefully she'll call, pager us so we can call her back and have the conversation <laughs> on our landline. Then we evolved to the situation when we actually have our mobile phones. And then we can use that to make the phone calls, which is more easier to, to hide so our parents don't find them. And then we evolved to the point that phones now have Bluetooth built in with them that we can exchange messages in public areas or pictures together. Ah, so so now you just have a network with an app like, I can't remember, Fire Chat, was it? Or something like that, where yeah. it creates an ad hoc network through Bluetooth and you can chat with people that are uh, no, close no, to this is, this is this is older. This is when the first time Bluetooth came out, ah. and the, before smartphone days. Oh, okay. So you during, mean before during, we had the internet. Now it's just yes, everyone's using apps with the exactly, internet. Exactly, okay. exactly. During okay. the days of Nokia and uh, the small phones and all ah. of those, and people would sit in a restaurant and then we have family sections and single sections. So the girls are in the family section. The guys are in the single sections and they are messaging each other using the Bluetooth connection between each other. <laughs> so in, in one of those private parks, um, there aren't groups that don't know each other. But if it's a family that's own, that owns it and the daughter of the family or one of the daughters is there with friends and a, a, a son is there with his friends they yeah. and they're sitting, you know, 20 meters away from one another. Um, is that possible or do they wave at each other from, you know... The, the across the the park or uh actually if 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 uh, if the family is not related if it's like only one person is related the others are not related and so on no they are completely separated so there would be a wall between them oh so you would need two parks yes so what's the acceptable distance you can stand from someone who is not related to you and of the opposite sex I don't know. You can stand close to someone that's from the opposite sex, not related to you. We have to do that in work and, uh, and when you go shopping in malls, as long as you don't touch. And uh, but in, in it's, that, it's just 
but in that private ca- park, in that private park, they wouldn't they wouldn't be talking or even being that close. But if they were twenty meters away or thirty meters away, it wouldn't work. They would still need a wall be between the two. Uh, because usually in those parks, uh, they like to be comfortable, so women don't cover up sometimes. Ah, so so, okay. so it's all about coverage. If the woman is covered, yeah, no problem. Okay. They can sit together and so on. But if she's not covered, then usually they have to be separated because the guys are not supposed to see her uncovered. Okay. All right. So they go to the park or they go to the mall or whatever, yeah. and then they go back home. I guess they have dinner with yeah. the family. Yep. Uh, have uh, dinner and uh, then go to bed. Other than that, uh, on weekends, they would... Uh, Go to their grandfather, grandparents for the day sometimes. Meet every at weekend. Night, almost every weekend. A lot of families used to do that. I don't know if there's families that are still doing it as religiously as we used to. But I remember when I was younger and my grandfather was alive from my mom's side, we would go every single Thursday to his place. Thursday? I thought the every weekend Thursday. was... Oh, Thursday evening. No, Thursday used to be the weekend until a year ago. Oh, okay. It was the weekend was Thursday and Friday. It only changed a year ago, I think. Was it a year or two years ago? I think it was a year ago. Oh, that's right. You you told yeah. me you used to tell me that Saturday was work for you. I, yes. I forgot that. Yes. And you would still show up for the show. Yeah. Oh, and and now and so, now Friday and Saturday is the weekend. So why did it change? Uh, to be more compatible with the world, right? Makes because sense because we're we're missing if Thursday and Friday, our weekend. Then Saturday and Sunday, the left rest of the world's weekend. So we have four days that we don't communicate with the rest of the world when it comes to business. And how was the religious authorities' reaction to that change? Uh, it it was different. There were those who considered it. Uh, anti-Islamic and sinful and disgusting and copying of the infidels. And then there were those who said, yeah, sure, why not? And But in the end, it, it passed without, it doesn't well, seem it, like a huge issue. No, it was a huge issue. The only reason it passed that the king decided, the former king, Abdullah, he said, royal decree, Friday <laughs> and Saturday is the weekend. End of story. <laughs> End of story. Yep, Exactly. <laughs> okay. Do you think the the new king would be as likely to do something like that? Uh, I'd, I've, if to go against the religious authorities, no, I doubt it. Okay. He's very, he's much more religious than the previous king. Um. Okay. So I guess uh, one last question I want to ask you about the uh, day, the typical day of a teenager is. Again, about the prayer, um, we did mention it a couple of times, but let's say they're having fun in the park or at the uh, mall. Uh, I can't remember what, well, actually, I just don't know what time the prayers take place at, um, but would they interrupt what they're doing and all start praying together? Or is it a, a thing where you know what time the prayers are, obviously, so you just plan around those times to be, you know, at home or wherever? No, no. You just interrupt it and pray together wherever you are. You, uh, for Muslims, they can pray anywhere. They don't have to be in a mosque. Any location would be fine to pray. Okay. So they just get together and pray. And uh, for Muslims, we have five, there are five uh, prayers at sunset, sunrise and at noon 
and uh, mid noon just be and then you have at sunset and after sunset okay yeah so yeah only i guess two of them are in the day yeah during daylight there's only two okay um all right uh let's move on to the questions we got on uh, on facebook specifically uh and keith sent a bunch of super cool questions i'm just gonna right. go through uh, a couple of them um and they're somewhat i think they're better versions than the ones i asked in the in the beginning um okay the first one is what is the most important thing that the west fails to understand about saudi slash arab culture um I think it's I don't think this is purely about Saudis and Arab culture. I think a lot of people, especially in the Western world, don't understand this about other cultures, period. Which is a lot of other cultures do have some pride and dignity. And when you come in and you actually try to impose your views and you think you're right, human rights or whatever freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and so on. And you come to these cultures and you try to impose it from your own side on them. It, even those who would actually agree with you a lot of times would cringe at that and become against you. And and that doesn't help those people. And in the Arab societies and Muslim society, uh, I know this also happens in a lot of other cultures, like in the, the Russian culture and so on. You have people have pride, and they would, even if they agree with your opinion, they might just stand against you because they feel you're attacking their culture, their religion, their country. Okay, that is uh, something I I'm coming to understand more and more um yeah. i think there's a lot of but it's right and and it might be right what you're saying but i yeah. think sometimes it's difficult for someone to even to uh -huh. get to the conclusion that they should get at if it's being yelled at by someone else and yeah people you know. people are are very proud and very defensive so when you come in and you try to force something on people and you're an outsider even those who actually agree with you would just become right. defensive because no no this is something we're supposed to take care of we're supposed to change it from the inside you shouldn't come here and force us to change we should do it ourselves all right uh another question uh what about the inverse the opposite what do you think the saudis fail to understand about the west which causes us uh problems i'm guessing he says us as Humanity, I'm going to assume. <laughs> uh, what do Saudis don't understand about the West? Um, you know, that's a difficult one. I'm not exactly sure what they can't understand about the West. I can say one thing. Saudis love conspiracy theories, and apparently the West is full of conspiracies against Muslims and Arabs and Saudis. So. Okay, so <laughs> how how does that work with uh, with the with you know it, it, they love can you give us actually there's um, he had a question about this why are conspiracy theories like nine eleven uh, was a setup so popular in Saudi Arabia and do people believe them uh, just to protect national pride or you know 
Yes. That kind of thing, I guess yes, it's related yes. to what you're saying. Yes, yes, that's that's one of the reasons people would believe in stuff like that. Uh, and other reasons is it's from the it's from our culture from the 50s, 60s, 70s. And during those days of we were we've been under a lot of these countries have been controlled by dictatorships and so on the media has been controlled and they've been raised on the concept of conspiracy theories and that's how usually dictators or uh, uh, absolute uh, rulers do it it's they control the media and then they feed you all of these th- conspiracy theories to control you and, right. and and it's something that has been left over throughout those years and is still within our society and and it's still living and and another reason for conspiracy theories is when a person feels weak they usually prefer to go to conspiracy theories because that's the only way they can accept what's happening is by building this conspiracy theory uh you can't accept that for example there's a a good personality that could not accept that Saddam Hussein was an evil man and that he would have destroyed Saudi Arabia during the Gulf War when he turned against Kuwait. And the reason is because they always saw, always saw him as a great hero and this person just turned on them. So the way they adapted is to build this conspiracy theory that it was all an American plan and it was and Saddam was all, still a good person and so on. Mm. All right. Uh, next question: What Western habits seem bizarre to Saudis? All right, that's that's extremely difficult to answer because for <laughs> me, as an individual, I never see anything bizarre. I've I've grown up to the point that I never think anything is bizarre anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're on the opposite scale of things, but uh... yeah, yeah. I've, I got used to saying so many bizarre things. It's just, oh uh, yeah, that's how they do it. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> so, and uh, you know, you were in Paris a few weeks ago, so you're completely vaccinated against bizarre things. Um, yeah. But no, I mean, surely. There is, I'm guessing we, it's easy to fall into the um, the religious aspect when and when people see uh, some of the aspects of Western culture, they might think it's sinful or things like that. Uh, I, you know, I'm just guessing. You know here, what? But. If, if if one thing is the concept of like in uh, in Amsterdam, I was talking to people, they would really really find it extremely bizarre and weird the whole legalized prostitution okay so i think so i think a lot of westerners might find this strange <laughs> as well yeah uh, the, uh, a lot of saudis don't find a lot of this is the thing i don't think many saudis find anything bizarre about they might find something unacceptable uh they don't understand it but bizarre the word bizarre is is i don't mm. i don't think there's much and nothing really comes to mind um so let me ask you when it, you you're sort of half answering it already but when they see things that are uh you know that don't align with their cultural uh concepts do they think this is wrong and they shouldn't do that or do they think well it's different and they're just you know whatever that's the way they do it and we don't care um 
most most I think most would go with uh, this is wrong and they shouldn't do that and uh, and a, a few that would say yeah that's them I don't care what they do so for and, example and, and, if- and, and, and however let me be clear that's if they go to to your countries to those countries so that's the that's the people of that country that's how they do things I don't uh, it's bizarre they shouldn't do it I don't care let them do whatever they want it's their country and if it happens in Saudi. Everybody would be outraged. Of course. Yeah. What about um, when people would see, you know, I'm just thinking of theoretical situations, if they see a, a music video that is particularly racy or, you know, you have some naked people uh, in the music video and they see that, do they think it's disgusting? Do they look okay. at it and giggle? Re- or re- Remind me to send you some Arabic music videos. Okay, well, you're. I, I I'm not sure what that means. Does that mean there are some super racy ones? In yes, but it's in Saudi. They shouldn't be shown, right? They don't show them on Saudi TV, but we have satellite TV. Okay, and so people see them. Every almost every household has over 500 channels. So how how do I can't? It's difficult <laughs> for me to reconcile the uh, you know religious strictness. And then having the these examples of, you know, okay, it's Arab uh, uh, channels, but it's still corrupt culture, right? How is this accepted? Um, or, or is it something that people just watch in half secret and everyone knows they do it, but... Uh, no, uh, not necessarily in half secret. Like, people usually watch them. It's... Uh, I I honestly, it's very difficult to explain Saudi society and culture and how people think because it's full of contradictions. So, and and this is what shocks some people. It is full of contradictions. Uh, you have different people. There are houses that don't have satellite TV at all. You have houses that control what is shown on the satellite TV. They only have specific channels, usually religious channels. So it depends on who you're talking to. Then you have those who have all the channels, but uh, they're religious. But it's one thing to watch on TV. It's another thing what they do in their lives. Then you have those who actually enjoy watching all of this and they are a bit more liberal and so on. So you have all of these different levels of people. And uh, depending on what channel you have, you watch uh, differs on what you think. Okay. Um, Joseph is asking, uh, basically, he'd like to know how things have changed uh, since the last uh, special on social with uh, social issues. I think the we can ask the question a little bit differently. Um, since the death of uh, King Abdullah, and uh, you know, in the past few years, how is uh, Saudi society evolving on on social issues? Um, on social issues right now, um, I think Saudi society is kind of on a standstill at the moment. Uh, Saudis are too busy with other matters to worry too much about social issues. We have the war in Yemen. Uh, we have the concerns of what's happening in Syria. Uh, we are concerned about the... Uh, Uh, lifting of the embargo on Iran and their movements. Uh, We have uh, problems with the uh, Islamic State movement Mm. and uh, and so on. So we have all of these matters all surrounding us 
plus our own economy, oil prices, so on. So socialists are not, as far as I'm seeing, it's not on the top of the agenda at the moment. There's less interest in social issues. Um, okay. But changes that are happening, uh, I think for our society right now, one of the biggest changes is we're actually having the municipality elections. Uh, I think they're happening in two months or something. And for the first time, women can run for it and can elect uh, vote in it. So this is the first time in Saudi history that women can be can vote or be elected in the government uh, elections, which is the only elections we have right now. Um, I know that the driving issue was uh, in discussion a few years ago under King Abdullah. Um, but is that uh, for the ex elections? Is that something that w was initiated under the previous king, or is it something that uh, was you know supported by the current? Uh, administration i guess uh the elections was uh, initiated by the former king but it was announced and being done under the current king so so the former king announced that women would be elected and can vote and can be elected however we skipped an election it never happened so nobody was sure whether it's going to even happen at all uh the current king king salman actually made it happen So, so, so he's he's uh, more conservative, but he's not conservative to the point that he would cancel the the reform uh, put in place by uh, the previous king. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of difficult to cancel something that the previous king did. Uh, it's kind of insulting for the previous king, and and it depends on how bad it is. So this is only elections; it's municipalities, and it's, to be honest. It's only an act of elections and voting and and so on. I, they don't really have much power, these people, in anything. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, still, symbolically, it, it seems yeah. like it. Yeah, so, so it's some... a symbolic thing, so no reason to stop it. Hmm. But, but he wouldn't necessarily initiate something similar uh, of his own accord. Uh, to be honest, it's difficult to say for sure. Personally, I doubt he would, but, uh, you know, you could be you surprised. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. I think we addressed a couple of the questions uh, Richard asked. Uh, then Mahmoud is saying, I have seen it firsthand, so I'm good. When I asked about questions for Saudi Arabia. <laughs> uh, so thank you, Mahmoud. And uh, finally, Paul, another friend of the show, um, asked, uh, asked me to ask you to tell us one of your guilty pleasures. One of the things you, you like to do or you enjoy that you wouldn't was, admit to. Was that Fox? Yes. It's uh, him. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, you don't, you don't have to, but, you know, uh, it's, it's the kind of, you know, the kind of thing that like uh, in, in, I guess in the US or France, it would be a particularly bad TV show that yeah. you wouldn't admit to watching with your friends, but you actually watch in secret, even though it's terrible. Uh, Oh no, I don't have anything that I do in secret. Most of my most of the guilty pleasures I like people know about. I enjoy the occasional Cuban cigar. So that's one of my guilty pleasures. Okay, yeah, I, you've mentioned it a few yeah, times. Yeah, I I am a big person when it comes to nice expensive automatic watches. Uh-huh. <laughs> you mentioned yeah. that as well when we met. 
<laughs> oh yeah, did I mention that I just bought the new Omega uh, James Bond limited edition watch? Uh, you 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 said you would buy an Omega watch. I didn't remember that it was the James yeah. Bond Limited. Isn't that a little bit tacky though to have a James Bond watch? Oh, well, come I guess on. not. You, if you, if, it's if beautiful. It was, you would, you okay. should see it. It's beautiful. <laughs> All right. Well, send me a picture. I'll admire it. Um, for the cigars, I, I'm guessing you're not the only person in in uh, the city to enjoy cigars. You have cigar holes and things like that. Oh, yeah. There's a lovely cigar lounge that I'm a member of that I go once a week and just relax there and smoke. Okay. Uh, As a final uh, question slash discussion, just to go back to the two different castes of society, how much do Saudis interact with the... uh, uh, you know, immigrant workers like the uh, the drivers and the maids? And is it at all possible that you would come across a driver from a different country in one of those cigar lounges if they had, they had saved, you know, for, for weeks and months to, to get there? Or would uh, people look at them, you know, like, what's that person doing here? Um, no, not exactly, because you cigar lounges way up there so and and most of these people who are drivers uh, the expats especially that work for uh homes they are usually on call 24 7 and when they do get a day off or some time off they go to where they usually gather together uh, right so it's very separated but i i guess i'm asking the theoretical question if yeah. they were to show up in the in the cigar lounge would it be like the wild west uh you know uh saloon where the the stranger shows up and and everyone turns around and everyone speak stops speaking and they're like hey have you lost your way stranger and, uh, and you know no 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 i don't think so no 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 and um, it's uh, we, we are usually most at least um, a good percentage of Saudis usually treat people just like people. Okay. Doesn't matter whether you're a driver or an expat or a local. At least a good a good decent percentage of people are like that. You would have those idiots or as I would like say assholes that <laughs> would treat people differently and just. Uh, and those and and they are worth nothing in my book because anybody who treats a, a a human being as something other than a human being is not a human being himself so uh right. but most people treat them well and it's unequal and and for let me be honest i'm not saying all of them are like this not not there are saudis who treat these drivers and these maids in their homes like trash but there are a lot of these Saudis who actually reach a point where these maids or this driver, these drivers have been working for them for five, ten years, and they are almost family with, uh, for them. Mm, right. So you have, you have different levels of people, different societies. There's no way to label Saudis as either they dislike or treat them badly or they are very good with them. You have all the levels of Saudis in society like any other place in the world. So, but as I said, a lot of them treat them like family and almost like family. I, uh, for example, my mom has a maid. It's, she's been working with my mom for over 10 years now. 
and and she's almost family and she even comes and teases us and we joke right. with her and and harass each other and it's, it's something like that so right yeah so i guess yeah it, it it makes sense. I, I I guess it's not to the extreme where I was talking about. You know, I was I was wondering about where. Uh, yeah, it it would be it would be strange if someone like that entered the. Uh, he, he would the, the, he would he would definitely get looks. People because stare, it's it's unusual, but, not yes, because they yes yeah. Okay. yeah but but nobody would say anything about it if okay. the guy can pay for it. Nobody's going to tell him no. Unless uh, there's some regulations about dress code or something, it's not dressed as something different. But other than that, if I w- you have some of these guys sometimes would go into a restaurant or go into a place, and and they just order and sit. People might look mm. at them, wonder what's going on, but then they everybody goes to do whatever they're doing. Okay. All right. Uh, well, excellent. Thank you so much, Turkey, for that inside look in uh, in Saudi uh, culture and life. Uh, well, I hope it was enjoyable for uh, the the dear listeners. Uh, before we uh, close this chapter of the show, can you please tell people where they can follow you if they want to have more of your daily musings? Well, uh, you can find me on Twitter if you're interested, and my Twitter ID is at Turkey Albella. T-U-R-K-I-A-L-B-A-L-L-A-A. And I do my best to post there. I'm not posting as much as I should, but I do what I can. Okay. So Turkey Alballa. Excellent. Yes. Uh, for me, it's not Patrick on Twitter. I'm also on Facebook, as I mentioned on this show. Um, I'm not Patrick on both places. And uh, you can also find the show at frenchspin.com on the web. That's where I host the shows I produce in English. Um, you'll find the regular episodes of the Phileas Club, which are a little bit different. They're not one-on-one conversations, but rather uh, multi-angled conversations on current events. Uh, and the The next one of those uh, should arrive in about 10 days. Uh, are, are you available for that show, Turkey? We'll, we'll discuss it afterwards. Sure. <laughs> sure. Whenever you want me, I'm available. Excellent. Uh, so we'll be back in about 10 days with that new show. Of course, you can support the Phileas Club on Patreon if you think the show has value and if you would like to uh, see it uh, keeping, you know, to stay alive, um, you can go to patreon.com slash the Phileas Club. There There's about 170 of you uh, supporting the show, and I'm incredibly, infinitely uh, thankful for your support. So thank you so much to all of my uh, patriots who are patriots of the Phileas Club. And uh, as I said, we'll be back in uh, about 10 days with a regular show. And hopefully you enjoyed this one. Hopefully you enjoy the next one. And we'll talk to you then. Bye.